choosing to dig deep into the dirt of our lives through a commitment to a life of self-reflection is the theme of episode number 138 of Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller as we talk to the author of The Prescription is in the Dirt, Fatima Oliver. It's comfortable. It can be comfortable because you're so used to it, right? It's like an old chair. You love the chair. You know it needs to get thrown out. You know you deserve a new one, but it's so dang comfortable. And sometimes being a victim can be comfortable, especially if it gets you a certain level of attention. Hey, this is Emily Gaudreau from HowToRaiseAMaverick.com, helping you break the cycle of sexual trauma. Thank you so much for listening to Dr. Brad Miller on Beyond Adversity Podcast today, helping you overcome adversity and finding peace of mind. Hello, good people, and welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. This is episode number 138, where we're talking to author Fatima Oliver about her book, The Prescription is in the Dirt. Here on Beyond Adversity, we're here to be helpful to you to navigate adverse conditions in your life, death in the family, disease, depression. We're going to talk about that here uh, today. Debt, maybe. Uh, Divorce. All these things are factors in many of our lives, and we have to have the tools and the processes to overcome them. At our website, drbradmiller.com, we've got a free gift for you there, and we've got lots of back episodes of the podcast, which can be helpful to you to navigate adversity and achieve peace, prosperity, and purpose in your life. Today, we're talking with the author of The Prescription is In the Dirt, Fatima Oliver, and she has a great story to tell about what happened in her life, how she faced many, many, many difficulties. She was abandoned by her father at a very early age and had to deal with abuse, physical and sexual abuse, and she had mental abuse, and also had to deal within her life with a challenging anxiety and depression and many different things. So what did she do? She, she, she do about it? Well, she had some times when she had to reflect, when she chose to go to a deeper place, spiritually and emotionally. She chose to dig deep, dig deep in the dirt of your life. That's what we're going to be talking about here to, to, uh, today, friends. The process of Atina Oliver gave in order to process this in her life and how her story can be helpful to you. You can find her at uh, Facebook and Instagram at Fatima Oliver, F-A-T-I-M-A-O-L-I-V-E-R. And she, you can also find her book on Amazon uh, that you can pick up that uh, copy of the, of the book there. This is a fascinating conversation. You're going to love it. It's going to be helpful to you. That's what we're here to do on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. So let's get into our conversation with Fatima Oliver, the author of Prescription is in the Dirt, right now. We have Fatima C. Oliver, the author of The Prescription is in the Dirt, and she has a great story to tell about in her life, a life of self-reflection and how she's worked through a process in her life. And Fatima, we are so happy to have you today as our guest on Beyond Adversity. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invite. Well, that is awesome uh, to have you here with us here today. Your book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt, 
fascinated by that title and we'll get into that in as a part of our conversation here but i uh, your 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 book is going to be about how self-reflection and other things like that help people overcome suffering but tell us about your story about what motivated you to write this book which is a bit of biographical tale uh what kind of things challenges have you had in your life tell us a little bit of story about fatima Yes, well, um, the the book, it really was, uh, it is an extension of therapy for me. It's an extension of freedom to be able to express myself in the truest way I know how and, and finally give a voice to all the things that I felt and all the pain that I've experienced. Um, I've, I've had a hard life, just like a lot of people um, in this world, and um, I like to say the best way that I know how to say it is that I was sheltered but when I say that I mean that I was sheltered from affection I was sheltered from feeling security I was sheltered from an emotional connection or um, any type of affirmation of or self-worth I grew up um, in a single uh, parent home with all boys um, all brothers I was the only girl and so it was very um, tough environment, not much room for any type of emotions to be shown. It was more so get your butt up and let's move on. Um, in the process of that, my mom, she was tough as nails and sometimes tough to a fault. Um, but um, growing up in that way, it definitely gave me uh, aid to be able to make some horrible decisions um, growing up, really uh, all the way up until maybe even um, a shoot a few years ago when I really um, learn to su- surrender my entire self to Christ, but but just really making some crazy dis- uh, decisions. I'm a burn victim. I was burned on 25% of my body um, at, by the age of two. Um, I was abandoned by my father, I, so I, I had to deal with some daddy issues. I've lost a brother. I've lost a child. I've been physically abused. I've been sexually abused. I've experienced emotional, mental abuse. Um, and, um, and I continue to, to, um, challenge, I like to look at it as challenging anxiety and depression. Um, um, but I also have experienced God's mercy and I have experienced his strength in my weakest moments. I've also been able to feel his comfort in the most painful times of my life. So, um, so this book kind of engulfs a lot of those, um, situations. Um, I look at it as an inspirational memoir because I'm just telling my truth. And I'm so grateful to be in a place where I'm liberated enough to be able to do that. Mm. So Fatima, that you've shared with you your story and lots of challenges, burned victim, a victim of abuse and yeah. other things that you have mentioned there being real challenges, depression and so on. And in your book, you say that cancer or the prescription is in the dirt. Yeah. What's the dirt? Is the dirt these experiences you're talking about? Yes. The dirt is all those things for me and for other people, I would say. Um, Things you don't want to talk about, those taboo things, the discussions that you have behind closed doors that make you feel like your lesser self, Um, the turmoil and pain and the sorrow that people expect you to get over, but you're still struggling with. It can be addictions, but you can be addicted to anything. I found out I was addicted to uh, emotional shopping. (laughs) So um, it can be a vast amount of addictions, but really anything that is so dirty and grimy that you're embarrassed to talk about because you're a Christian and a Christian is supposed to look a certain way and walk a certain way and talk a certain way. 
or that you're a professional and you're supposed to have this certain type of decorum, but on the inside, you're broken. And the dirt is all that brokenness. And the, the solution to, to grow through that brokenness is honestly dealing with it, not avoiding it, not trying to go around it because eventually you're going to have to face it. And so um, the book um, shares how I went through um, a, a bunch of these different um, events that I shared and the baby steps that I took, um, the times where I felt like uh, I didn't have a choice but to live in it. And just slowly making my way to realizing that God did love me, that I am important, and that um, his love covers me like a blanket, <laughs> and that it's okay to challenge, it's okay to not be okay, but it's never okay to to just sit in that space of not being okay and just accepting it as that's just your way of life. Well, that's interesting how you uh, have framed this discussion here, Fatima, in terms of how all these facing your fears, facing the difficulties, the challenge you had and going to those dark places has been the, the way to uh, deal with them and get, get through them. Because, and if you look the prescription as in medicine, as an antidote is in yeah. the dirt, all the dirt stuff, that's an interesting way of putting it. Because if we allow ourselves to, we can be buried, right? We can be, just, yeah. be, just to use the metaphor, we can be buried by circumstances. We can be buried, all those things you mentioned there are people who do not get out of those, who get Absolutely. stuck, who get yeah. stuck or destroyed by that. They can be struck by a, a, a health issue like the burning and just destroyed by the mental health issues and by the family yeah. dynamics and financial issues, any number of things that yeah. come along. If we allow ourselves to, we can be destroyed by them or buried by them. But you mentioned something there that I think is so important. You said, I took baby steps. Okay. Let's talk for a minute about some of the actual steps that you took. I like to call them bold actions. What are some of the actions that you took that kept you from being stuck or buried by the dirt, yeah. so to speak, and to start to move out of that, that dark place that you were at? And to, what are some of the things you actually did? What are some of the yeah. actions that you took? Well, candidly, I was stuck for a long time. These are things that occurred from when I was a, uh, two years old all the way through to my uh, late 40s, just a couple of years ago. And it became a way of life for me. It became a behavior, a mental um, acceptance of this is just my life, this um, uh, presence of self-victimization. Even though I was, by all accounts, a victim in a lot of these situations, it became easy to sit in that victimization and just say, this is the way my life is supposed to be, and nothing's ever going to go my way. And I'm sure we've all heard the song, but one yeah, of the and some people, that, some people take comfort in playing the victim, don't they? They, they yes, get stuck there or they absolutely. have some sense of... Uh, of, it's uh, comfortable. comfortable. It can be comfortable yeah. because mm -hmm. you're so used to it, right? It's like an old chair. You love the chair. You know it needs to get thrown out. You know you deserve a new one, but it's so dang comfortable. And sometimes being a victim can be comfortable, especially if it gets you a certain le a level of attention. But um, And so for me, I believe that I, I laid in that for a very long time to the point where um, depression and anxiety kind of took over my life. I was medicated for being clinically depressed. Um, I had to um, the wherewithal to go to the doctor and get diagnosed to being clinically depressed. But I stopped there for 10 years and I just medicated myself and medicated myself, but I didn't deal with the issues that got me there. So I would say maybe two years ago, I got to a place where I, I felt I had no choice. I was breaking down. I felt like I was having honestly a mental breakdown 
And um, I had a, a, I say a come to Jesus moment where I had to embrace the fact that the way I was managing my life, the way that I was managing my, um, the depression and the anxiety that was getting more and more out of control, it wasn't working. <laughs> okay. Right. And so I had to humble myself. I believe that help comes with humility. And I had to humble myself to say, God, my way isn't working. I had to be open to another way of doing things and not the way that I was doing. So I started making steps to retrain my thinking, um, taking my, my, my thoughts captive, if you'll say. I started listening to people like Carolyn Leaf, who she's a Christian who studies the brain. She studies the subconscious and the conscious and learning that it takes 63 days to be able to convince your subconscious to do things for you to be able to do things in the natural, naturally do it without a lot of resistance. So I put myself on a 63 day plan to start to stop trying to think negative. So whenever a negative thought would naturally come into my mind because it was a natural way of living, I would focus and say, nope, don't think that. Try to think something positive. And um, beyond that, I surrounded myself with um, with, uh, with, with uh, messages that I could re- um, go back to when I, when I felt defeated to listen of encouraging messages about who God says I, I was, even though I didn't believe it. Um, But uh, on top of that, I decided to go against the naysayers, go against the traditions of my culture, and actually physically go and talk to a therapist. And so I did things in the natural, and I allowed, by faith, I believe that these are the things that God would want me to do to to become a healthier person. And I actually went to sit and speak with the therapist and start to uncover the reason why I was having such a horrible time living. You decided to dig in the dirt, didn't you? Uh, to, <laughs> kind of to to uh, use oh your metaphor God. from from your book. Yes. What I mean by that is that you you know you started you know to really getting deep into some difficult areas and yes. areas that many people choose to leave buried yes. deep within us. It was so hard and <laughs> destructive, and but that's a, a, a admirable thing that you have done, especially when you talk about the process. You know, you talk about uh, the 63-day process, and I'm I'm a big believer that the decision to act is instantaneous, but the process means we it's, we yeah. we're just starting a process, but we have to decide to act and then, but actually put one foot in front of another and actually do it, and that's hard yeah. to do and to keep the process yeah. going because you don't transform instantaneously. I don't think you right. decide to transform. You could decide to transform, but the actual process of transformation is a process you know uh, biblically yeah. i like to think about the 40 days and 40 years in the wilderness and things Absolutely. like this right. that's a that's a that's a process there but it's a commitment to yourself mm-hmm. right yeah. and it's like you're you're making the commitment the commitment comes in way after the emotional moment right. and it's a commitment to yourself that i'm going to do this way beyond those those initial feelings of i need to change yeah. my life yeah, that's all, the commitment. I like to think about covenant, promise, things like that. How we mm-hmm. uh, need to put power in our promises and uh, mm-hmm. and make that commitment go, you know, on a deep emotional, spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And so, let's talk about a couple of things that are elements of this process for a minute. That's so important that you decided that you were unsatisfied enough with your state of affairs as they were to do something about it. Yeah. But when you do something about it, you you have to you, you deal with things in several different um, planes of our existence, and one of those planes is the uh, is the spiritual, I believe. So, tell me about how drawing on any kind of a spiritual power 
uh, anything of greater than yourself gave yeah. you power, gave you energy, gave you the sustenance that you needed to make some uh, make some changes. Yes, it was nothing but my faith that God gave me the courage to walk through the doors. I'm a prideful person, a very proud person. I grew up to be that way. And like I stated earlier, emotions um, were definitely things that we didn't really display. It was something that I never really um, tapped into. So even if I was feeling scared or anything, I would always tell myself, no, toughen up. And so to be able to ex- um, to sit at God's feet and actually pray and say, God, give me the courage to, to go to somebody and tell them I need help. That was huge for me to say. And, um, and, um, and so one of those other pieces of it is that for me, I wanted to be able to find someone that I could be my truest self with. And what I mean by that is not have to change my speech. Um, in my day-to-day life, I speak about how good God is to me. I speak about um, my time that I spend with him in devotional time and in personal prayer time, making it a, a, a set time, making a point like a date with God and spending that time. And even the, in the midst of me going through depressed moments in my life or just the chaoticness of my life or tumultuous situations, I still made that time. So I really believe that God was leading my steps. But even in doing that and speaking in the natural, the counselor that I got, I made sure, spoke my language so um, she could um, guide me, but I also wanted someone who would pray for me and who would pray with me. And so that was one of those steps that I felt like God was in the, in, in the midst of our conversations. Additionally, my Bible study group that I had at my church, um, it was about, I found one that was geared towards um, healing women, healing women. And it happened to be a celebrate recovery program, which I had no idea at the time. Okay. And so I wound up going through uh, uh, a nine month um, a step-by-step program of Celebrate Recovery. Um, and the, it's similar to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, but the, bi- um, the foundational principles are biblical principles. And so I committed and, di- and myself to going through these steps. And in the midst of each book that we would go through, it was a self-reflection opportunity. And God was um, through, through the scriptures that was included in, in the book study, God was always in the midst of any type of changing that was happening in my life. Mm. Well, that is an awesome thing for you to share there, how that that power came from a place greater than yourself, but it also came through the through the uh, uh, environment, the system of other people in many cases, the your Bible study group, you mentioned your therapist, and let's just talk about emotions now. What I mean by that is the, the power of uh, sustaining, loving, caring, accountable, loving relationships to help you keep you going and to do this process and how then maybe you can be that for some other people. So describe to me a little bit of about what happens uh, when you've made this decision to change. Now you're, you've made the baby steps and you're going to uh, draw on this uh, spiritual plane, but tell us about the, uh, the role of loving and caring accountable relationships and changing. Absolutely. So one of the things I'll say starting out is nobody is meant to do life alone. Jesus didn't do life alone and he could. (laughs) And he still had community. None of us are ever meant to do life alone. We all need some sort of a tribe or a group of uh, people that are like-minded to support us and upgird us. The Bible says we're to bear the infirmities of the weak. And so we need to be able to 
drop our pride to tell people when we're weak, but also to have that expectation that the people that we uh, um, encompass around are there to support us. And so I always had a tribe of women, whether it was from church or or just um, Christians in general who um, I always navigated around. So I always had that bit of a support system. And when I decided that I needed to go and speak to someone, it was actually those group of women who came to me and had that conversation with me. And when I was at my lowest and saying, I don't feel like I want to live. I just, I don't, I don't know if I could go another day. They were the ones that intervened and gave me godly counsel and said, I think you need um, talk therapy in addition to what you're already doing. And they prayed for me. And when it was my first day of getting ready to go to um, therapy, I was sitting in my car, nervous as nails. And um, I was able to reach out to these um, individual women and they encouraged me and, and congratulated me and was um, celebrating me. And we're, we're thousands of miles apart and made clear for, um, gave me the, the um, homework to let them know how my first session went as soon as I was done. So knowing that I had um, people um, available to me that was my safe place to fall and that um, in my dirty cry um, space um, that they were there and not judging me. It is critical to um, your walk and it's critical to your healing. I believe that everybody needs a safe place to fall and sometimes that's not your family. Sometimes it's a, a girlfriend. Sometimes it's your spouse. Sometimes um, if you don't have those type of outlets Sometimes it's going to have to be that therapist, um, but everybody needs a safe place to fall, meaning safe place to be their, their self, whether it's um, a horribleness, whatever, whatever state they're in, that they have that safe place to be able to be that, be in that space and not be judged. Yeah. And um, I think that's critical to healing. I, I agree with you uh, 100, uh, 100% Fatima, and especially when you mentioned there how you were at, you know, kind of at your wits ends or at, at, at some really tough places where you, you know, were considering some dramatic uh, uh, actions and it sounded like people stepped into your life that you already had built a relationship with. And if you didn't have that, then you would be uh, in a much worse situation. And I think what I'm hearing you share is how important it is to seek out these healthy, vital relationships. And then they're tough to do because it means that you've got to be, take some risk to yeah. do them. And there's Absolutely. not, a, it's not always just a pat of the back thing, you know, it's accountability and it's challenging and, and it's the, uh, you know, not only affirmation, but sometimes it's yeah. the calling you out and things and that's good. Yeah. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah. And okay, so we got, um, I consider that the kind of the fuel that sustains us, you know, when we are looking to, uh, do that's that word of encouragement that we can have. And, uh, that's so important to have, and we can do that for others. But let's talk for a minute, Fatima, about, uh, the cognitive part, the mind part, the transformation of the mind that, yeah. uh, needs to, that needs to happen. And I like to equate that a lot to, uh, discipline to self-discipline to habits to practices to yeah. the things we do it might be a morning routine you mentioned about you know about a a, a practice of bible study and things like this what are some of the things that you might advocate about self-discipline to help transform the mind to come out to a better place from to dig through the dirt as you would say yeah it's definitely one of the it is so more mental than anything. Um, and like we've talked about before, that commitment, 
if there is nothing else that should be taken away, it's don't break a promise to yourself. And so when I made the promise or the commitment that I was going to walk through the steps of the Bible study program or that I was going to go to, um, to, to therapy and I was going to dedicate myself to, to changing my life, I had to put in natural kind of, kind of precautionaries um, to make myself continue going when I didn't feel like doing it. So anything that would trigger me, anything that would make me feel like I don't want to do it today, I had to go ahead and, and determine what those triggers were and then how I would fight against those triggers. If it's, I would call a girlfriend who I knew could, would encourage me to get in my car and go, or I would, um, I, I would, I don't know, pray more or read my favorite scripture, whatever I, I knew before I was feeling it, whatever I knew that I could do to help me to get over that hump, I put into place ahead of time so that when I hit those walls of, I really don't feel like driving and it's rainy and it's snowing and I just don't feel like doing it today, that I was able to lean on those um, contingencies, if you will, um, uh, so that I could push myself to do the work that I had committed to myself. And I just, I didn't want to be somebody that broke a promise to myself. I had broken enough promises to myself. Mm. I, I really wanted to change, um, just change the trajectory of my life. And that takes will and it takes work. And I just had to commit to do the work. And I think that's what everybody yeah. has to do. Ultimately, you have to, um, you have to commit to doing the work. Yeah. Have to commit to do the work, make the promise. I think you, the way you uh, framed it was very interesting, very good. And making the promise to yourself. And let's, I would also push it a little bit further with you, Fatima. Let's make sure that when those promises are kept, we are, uh, uh, feel, you know, uh, the affirmation of that. But also if promises are broken, we need to feel the yeah. appropriate pain and the disappointment with that because it's, uh, part of this process you're talking about is that commitment, that covenant and yeah. keeping the promises. You got to make the promise first. You got to sustain the promise and you got to, you know, keep the promise in order to come out yeah. to a better place. And yeah. you've come out to a better place in many facets as I'm understanding what you're sharing here today, because yeah. you made a promise to yourself first and foremost, and you've kept the promise, even if it was Absolutely. a little, even if it had moments of, uh, you know, very uh, 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 uncomfortable moments, to say the least. Absolutely. always so chose to work through that. That's awesome. And Brad, I want to say that I think it's important to say there's a difference between um, being convicted of what you, when you lack or when you miss the mark and when you feel con condemnation. And the yeah. enemy can use that guilt that you feel to make you feel like a horrible human being because yes. you didn't go. You know, a horrible human being because you just couldn't get out of bed and you couldn't make it to that therapist or you just couldn't keep your commitment to yourself on that day. Mm -hmm. um, for me, Christ had to stay center. Even all these things that I did in the natural, all these disciplinaries that I put in place, got, Christ still had to stay the center of mm -hmm. everything so that I would be able to know the difference between, okay, I missed the mark and God, I'm going to do better. And I feel that conviction. I promised myself and the difference between that and you're a horrible person. See, I knew you couldn't keep that promise to yourself. You're just going to go back to the way you, you always have been. You may as well give up now. You got to be able to know the difference between the voices that are speaking in your head. And that comes with the relationship with Christ. And that's, what I would just uh, say, that's where we have to have a believer, uh, be a, have a belief in being covered by grace. Yeah. 
that uh, grace needs to cover all this, which is that we don't deserve anything, but we are loved anyhow. And that's where some of those relations we talked about come into play, where the spiritual peace comes into play. And certainly if we talk about uh, making uh, promises and so on, we need to, yes, you put it in perspective of the conviction is a different thing than the condemnation, because if you feel condemned, that's a place that you can easily give up or be buried, right? You can, uh, you can go to those, go to those bad places. And I can't help but think about reflect with you a little bit here. Even uh, today, uh, Fatima, we are happen to be talking on new year's Eve, 2020 and recording this on that day. And a lot of people are thinking, you know, you know, you know, good riddance to 2020. Let's look forward to 21. And I'm certainly one of those people, but we often talk about resolutions and things like that, where, and so, so often it happens, you make a resolve to change things, you know, to lose weight, to be healthy, to, you know, yeah. stop watching so much TV, to, you know, be nicer to my spouse, whatever it is, uh, to read the Bible every day, whatever it is, but it often goes away by the, you yeah. know, by the, by the time uh, a couple of weeks go on. And if we can move away, in my mind, at least from the resolve things, which are just so absolutes, and to think more about a promise, the emotional promise that you make that is ongoing, like a daily kind yeah. of a thing is a promise thing. So I think there's some really good things that you've got in, in your book here. And and tell us about uh, your how your book has impacted your life, but also how maybe your book and your teaching and what you've reflected with others, your story has been helpful to other people. Tell us a story about maybe somebody who's coming to your orbit that uh, your teaching has been helpful to? Well, it's actually been pretty amazing and humbling because I definitely wrote it um, um, with the thinking that, again, it was an extension of therapy for me being able to finally speak on these things that I'd kept captive in my heart for so long. Um, And then when I did it and it was done and it was published, it's just like, God, okay, you have your way and you want with everything in you to be able to know that you're not the only one with these thoughts or with with these type of experiences. So being able to hear um, women reach out to me and just share their, um, share their um, impact from the book has been outstanding. And so there was someone actually who um, reached out and I hadn't spoken to her in about a year. And um, I just sent a, a, a email and, and uh, like an emailer and just sharing that my book was out and she got the book and she reached out to me. She was one of the first ones. And she said that God had been dealing with her about some things regarding her father. And um, and she kind of felt alone. She kind of felt that she was the only one dealing with um, feeling abandoned by her father. Um, and to realize that I had went through that similar thing to the point of having a moment where my, my, who my father, biological father was, was being questioned and she could relate so well with that because her father was in a place where he was questioned if he was her dad and she's like in her, you know, 30, 40 years old and it had broken her heart. So to read that in my book, she felt relatability, but again, she, uh, um, onto that, she also felt that her, her and her husband had been having some discussion as far as, um, just her working on her own soul healing and that there were some things that she was holding on to grudges and past hurt that she really needed to let go of. And she had been praying about it, but didn't know the first place to start. When she read my book, she felt that a seed had been planted in her heart. 
and that and she had some sort of direction and on on as far as the path the the things that she needed to do and so she just called to thank me and I really was just floored I didn't really even know what to say because that was one of the first people that had responded um to what God had done in my life and just to be able to see my life being a mirror for someone else I mean it, I came and explained to you how humbling that makes me and how how much more I want God to be able to use me in that way. That's awesome. Well, so it's impacted that person, and I'm sure many others can be impacted by your book, The Prescription is in the Dirt. How can people find out more about you and about your book, and how can they get the book? Yes, well, the book is on Amazon um, in ebook and paperback version. Um, and so you can definitely go there and you can leave a review once you read it. You can actually, re- I would encourage you to read the reviews if you're just kind of on the fence about whether you want to get it or not. Um, to speak to me and to chat with me, I'd love to hear from you. Um, the listeners can go to Facebook. I am Fatima Oliver on Facebook. Instagram, Fatima Oliver 1975. LinkedIn, Fatima Oliver. Uh, Reddit, Fatima Oliver. <laughs> just look up Fatima Oliver. And I'm pretty sure that you'll find me. Awesome. Well, and we'll certainly put all those links in our show notes at drbrattmeller.com. And and it's been our pleasure to have Fatima Oliver, the author of The Prescription is in the Dirt, uh, as our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Thank you so much, Fatima. Fatima Oliver, the author of The Prescription is in the Dirt. You can find her at Facebook and at Instagram at Fatima Oliver, F-A-T-I-M-A-O-L-I-V-E-R. You can find her there, and we'll have links in our show notes to help you find her as well. The name of her book, The Prescription is in the Dirt. You can find that at Amazon.com as well. Hope that you heard that she was able to share with us here today some important tips for you to deal with adversity in your life, primarily the the opportunity that you have to make to make a commitment over comfort. If you want to have healing and wholeness and come to a place of overcoming and getting beyond the adversity of your life, you got to commit to it. You got to go for it. What she calls digging in the dirt, the prescription, your healing, in other words, is by digging deeper. And she found her resources in her spiritual life and in people that were helpful to her and what she calls this process, the 63-day process, helpful to you. Here at Beyond Adversity, we're about process as well. We sometimes call it the 40-day way. It's our way of helping people to navigate such problems as a death in the family or maybe a disease that you deal with or perhaps a divorce or perhaps abuse or perhaps something along the line of depression or maybe debt to financial issue. We try to deal with many of these things here on Beyond Adversity. You can head over to our website, drbradmiller.com. We've got a free gift for you there and ways that we can help you through our past episodes and through our teaching to navigate adversity, to come out to place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. It's been good to be with you here today, friends. Until next time, this is Dr. Brad Miller from Beyond Adversity, encouraging you to live a life of promise and to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept.